Hi, I'm Jelani Blake, and you're listening to Caesar Voices, a podcast series focused on bringing research closer to you. This series is brought to you by the Journal of Caribbean Environmental Sciences and Renewable Energy, or CESA, which is probably more familiar to most of you. Each episode, we'll hear from some of the leading Caribbean environmental experts who'll be helping us to better understand what's happening in our region. We'll be getting a summary from the people on the front lines, the heroes doing the heavy lifting in terms of searching for solutions to some of our most pressing environmental problems. If you'd like to give suggestions, have your research featured, or sponsor an episode of Caesar Voices, use the links in the accompanying description to learn more. There seems to be a disconnect between academic institutions and industrial organizations within the world of renewable energy in the Caribbean. And in this episode, we'll be exploring the industry's perspective on the issue. We'll be hearing from SolarBuzz CEO, Jason Robinson. Our mission is really we're making energy freedom a reality for our clients. And we'll be taking a slightly wider look with Emira General Counsel, Lisa Ann Fraser. I recognized very early on in my career that I had a passion for energy and environment. We'll also get to know a little bit about another one of our fine donors, Jamie Clary, a data scientist living in London. So without further ado, let's get into it. As you might have heard in part one of our inaugural episode, we have an abundance of renewable energy resources in the Caribbean. However, researchers and industry professionals don't really seem to cooperate and it's probably not great for development. We at Caesar Voices decided to take a closer look at this disconnect and we thought we'd start on the industry side of things. I'm Jason Robinson, CEO of SolarBuzz Jamaica. And our mission is really we're making energy freedom a reality for our clients while saving the planet through solar installations and then other energy saving products and services. So, you know, our goal is to really see how much areas of a business or a home that we can help to reduce the client's energy bills and also reduce their carbon footprint. And can you tell us a bit about two very interesting projects we hear your company has been involved with at the University of the West Indies? We're installing a 40-kilowatt solar system funded by the EBSCO grant, this overseas library foundation. And uh, it's going to just offset the science library's energy usage, and it's going to be integrated into the curriculum. Students will be able to interact with it so that they can um, have more firsthand experience in seeing how systems operate and offset energy in real time, because there'll be a monitoring system. And then we've had some of the students be able to be on site and help actually participate in the uh, installation. The other project that we are lucky enough to be involved with is a solar unit that produces some of the cleanest drinking water you can get just from sunlight and air. So it looks similar to a solar water heater, but it's off-grid. It doesn't connect to the NWC at all. And each unit produces 5 to 10 liters of drinking water a day. There's a company called Zero Mass Water. One of its investors is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Zero Mass donated 20 of these units to the children's ward at the university hospital. Solar Buzz was selected as a installation and service partner and will also be a distributor down here. We've installed 20 of them. We have three dispensers inside the children's ward. The children and the staff can fill up water bottles and get clean drinking water that's off-grid. And the 20 units will save over a million plastic bottles over their lifetime for the children's ward. That's amazing. And that's what I can't really understand. I mean, how is there a gap between academic institutions like UWE and companies like yours? 
where I see a major disconnect is that what's being taught, I think, in the universities in renewable energy programs is really not what a company like SolarBuzz is looking for when we hire solar system designers. If you wanted to come and work at SolarBuzz right now, and I even have an ad on CaribbeanJobs.com looking for a solar system designer, and you are a graduate from the renewable energy program, you really couldn't come in and do what we need you to do. You would need to combine that with some electrical engineering to really jump into a company like myself, get a decent salary and start making a difference to work your way up. You need to know how power works, how to design solar systems, how to use interval data from JPS meters, how to use logging data. That stuff is the core of the solar industry if you want to do things properly. So I think what needs to be done in academia is more real world interaction with people like myself who are doing the hiring and can kind of advise on the curriculum. So Jason was able to give us an idea of the situation on the ground. But for more of a bird's eye view, we got in touch with Lisa and Fraser from Emera Caribbean. Basically, I am an attorney at law by training, graduated from the University of the West Indies. And I recognized very early on in my career that I had a passion for energy and environment. And I fell in love with the concept of sustainable energy. I went on and I did my master's in energy, environment, and natural resources law. And I also have another master's in legislative drafting worked in government, private sector, and academia, which is basically how I've grown in my career. But I did think that we can do something about making sure we use our resources in a much more sustainable manner. So you're perfectly suited to your line of work. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Emera? Emera is actually a Canadian utility company, and they do have different operations across Canada, the U.S., and the Caribbean. I work with Emera Caribbean, so I'm the general counsel at the Caribbean office of Emera. And what we do is that we're actually invested in the utilities in Barbados, Dominica, and Grand Bahama. And we would have had projects in St. Lucia and St. Vincent. So all around the utility landscape. So I am more at the holding company level, looking at how do we leverage the assets, look at the strategic dynamic in terms of how we transition the countries themselves forward and help them to meet the goals being set on a national level to reduce their own greenhouse gases and emissions. And how do we do that through electricity, which is one of the biggest contributors to emissions. So from your position, you probably have some idea as to what's happening in the renewable energy sector in the Caribbean, or I guess what's not happening. Uh, where do you see the dysfunction? There is a disconnect between academia and the private sector or industrial companies as a whole within the renewable energy space. We can be doing things differently so that we can leverage the strengths of each player. I don't think there is any real focus on research and development within the Caribbean. So a lot of the ideas just get trapped at the university level and never goes further. I do think we need to have more active and dynamic communication between the universities and companies themselves to understand, well, what are the skills gaps that need to be addressed? And is the university making sure that those needs are being met? I think civil society organizations and NGOs also can help foster that relationship building between the entities because it can identify the needs that exist within a community. And I think one of the biggest challenges and probably the most obvious is the fact that financing is a big hurdle. And I think this has really stymied the progress of development of renewable energy and sustainable energy in the Caribbean. But if you're thinking more along the lines of what is the challenge to implementing renewables as a whole, I would have to say legislative barriers and policy has really kept us back. 
So I think if we address all of these things at the same time, which sounds daunting, but I think it can be done, I definitely think we can further the development and the deployment of renewables and sustainable energy as a whole in a much shorter time frame than we ourselves imagine. So we can see some clear avenues for growth within our renewable energy sector. But effective communication seems to be what we really need to move things forward. This is an important guiding principle for CESA. We literally exist to open up the conversation regarding climate change and renewable energy in the region. Of course, our generous donors play a major role in facilitating this process. One of these donors is Jamie Clary, and we recently got a chance to learn a little bit about him and find out what led him to support our cause. First things first, can you tell us a bit about your work? I work right now as, as a data scientist at Deutsche Bank here in London. So we're, we're really using the bank's data to ensure, number one, that we're compliant with the latest regulatory laws. And the other key point really is to kind of use the data to understand DB's trading platform. You know, how efficient are we at booking trades? How does that evolve over time across geography? How does that evolve when there's new regulations, when new changes in the market happen? It's really about kind of trying to drive efficiency really across the platform globally. Oh, that's pretty interesting stuff. So how did you hear about CISO? I heard about it through one of your founders. His passion about it was really kind of infectious, I think. You know, when I heard about what they're trying to do, it was kind of a, a no-brainer for me. Platforms like Caesar are really important when it comes to ensuring we have the right level of diversity of opinion when it comes to environmental science. We just can't have a situation where all the best ideas are almost locked up in these journals that are too expensive for anybody to really read and that only people from academia really understand and are engaged with. If you look at it from the data science space and the machine learning space, which is where I'm kind of focused at the moment, I really do think it's benefited hugely from having an open source culture when it comes to research. I think it's no coincidence that we've seen such a massive improvement in the state of the arts in such a short period of time. And I really do think it's got a lot to do with the fact that everybody looks to research from the point of view of an open source mindset. The discussion we're having on climate change, it's too big to have it confined to these archaic journals. Today, we had the highest temperature on record for the winter months in the UK. It's actually a balmy 20 degrees here. Climate change is, is in our face. We really can't ignore it anymore. And, and we need platforms like Caesar to kind of push forward with you know, our understanding and how can we solve these issues. Well, that's all we have for you on this episode of Caesar Voices. Next time, we'll be giving the academics a chance to tell their side of the story. In the meantime, though, I'd like to thank our guests for taking part, and of course you, our listeners, for tuning in. I'd like to remind our listeners that you can click the link in the accompanying description to visit our website, caesarjournal.org donations, where you can join the monthly donor club. And if you'd like to be an official sponsor of Caesar Voices and feature your company or NGO, please follow the corporate link in the description to learn more.